and welcome back. If you're listening to this second episode of Ad Tech Today, a new podcast by Smato, that means that hopefully you enjoyed our first session with Eve Friedman in the New York office and you're ready for more ad tech information. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, be sure to check out our first episode, Introduction to In-App Advertising. If you've come back for episode two, then thank you for your support and interest. Um, today, I'm going to be chatting with my dear friend and colleague, Alize Mega, who has been with Smato for just over two years. Um, she's a senior account manager, and she works with DSPs based in the EMEA region. So, Alize, we're going to talk about brands specifically today, right? Hi, Angie. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Happy to be part of this new Smato podcast project, actually. Um, yeah, so brands, that's correct. Um, we're seeing a diversity of demand buyers on our exchange. DSPs uh, focusing on branding campaigns are significant. And we're even seeing buyers originally focusing on performance moving to branding as well. Okay. So is it fair to say that brands could be underutilizing their advertising efforts on apps? Um, and if so, what are some of the benefits that we see with programmatic in-app for brands? So I think, first of all, we should start talking about in-app benefits. I've just read a survey from eMarketer showing that over 25% of total media time and 89% of mobile time is spent in-app. Smato also published that um, the average usage of apps is just above three hours a day. I think it's pretty much what I spend um, in-app. I don't know about you, but it's pretty, mu pretty much like this. Um, yeah, so eventually brands, um, they simply cannot afford to ignore now the areas where their audience are. Additionally, mobile devices, uh, unlike desktops or laptops, are often used by one single person. So in this context, apps on a particular device are closely connected to the personal life and daily habits of its owner. This definitely makes the in-app environment an ideal place for the advertiser to create personal advertising touch points. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I think that stat about the average time on apps being three hours a day kind of makes me feel a little bit bad about myself because I'm definitely at least double that amount. <laughs> but I think we're all aware of how hard it is not to spend time on our phones scrolling around on apps. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Additionally, apps uh, offer a new layer of audience targeting for brands as they can leverage first-party data. Apps are able to collect those data on an opt-in basis, so targeting parameters such as demographics, age, gender, GPS location, OS, device types, etc. are passed. So that's helping advertisers to create and target audience profiles. So programmatic adds a new layer which enables advertisers to target their users in real time in the apps where they are and where they will be. That's made possible as the in-app environment active user identification is tied to the device ID of each unique mobile device. As most apps are opt-in and device IDs last for an average of more than 21 months, users can be tracked accurately. Yeah, so this was a topic we also discussed with Eve, um, basically the advantages of device ID targeting compared to targeting with cookies. Um, listeners, by the way, if you're interested, you can check out that episode as well. So targeting can be more specific and thus means that brands get closer to the actual users they care about. But uh, once they've found their target audience, then what? Then, programmatic app um, enables advertisers to connect in real time with their audience by using interactive ad formats, which blend naturally into the content of the app, and are also creating a positive and engaging user experience, which is not disruptive for the user. Um, I'm currently thinking of native video in particular, where the ad matches the, the app design and layout, but some other formats 
that are originally restricted to gaming environments such as rewarded video or playable ads are also beneficial as they are user initiated and show 100% completion rate. So we are also seeing the emergence of new formats right now, typically used by geolocation DSPs. So, so I'm talking about formats such as click to call, GPS to store, that improve a lot the user experience and the interaction. Okay. So we've talked about some of the benefits with in-app programmatic for brands, but I'm sure our listeners are aware that there's also some challenges. Um, Can you discuss some of those challenges and ideally maybe some of the potential solutions that we could see? Sure. So I don't want to paint a whole bad picture of the situation as I believe that the market has already partially answered some challenges by implementing some effective and, and promising initiatives. So I think campaign measurement is definitely one of those challenges, but there's been some industry solutions emerging the past month to tackle viewability, performance, and cross-device measurements. In the mobile world, an ad can only be considered viewable if the ad content is within the viewable area of, of the app or mobile websites for a minimum period of time. So we're getting more and more requests from DSPs to provide inventories that are measured by a third-party vendor, such as Double Verify, Moat, or Integral Ad Science. One of the, of the initiatives around this topic has been launched uh, by the Media Rating Council, who published its guidelines and requirements to provide an industry standard for measuring viewable mobile ad impressions. So the IAB has also led the develop, development of a new tool for in-app mobile viewability measurement, which is the Open Measurement SDK. Smato is an active participant of the Open, open Measurement Working Group, which is reviewing, testing and maintaining the SDK. So the new viewability measurement standard will be the next step in ensuring a high-quality transparent ecosystem. Cross-device measurement is another challenge. The current issue is that there's no way to match a desktop user to a mobile user. Each company in the industry attributes a different identifier to identify the audience across different sources. So this leads to to a lack of understanding of consumers, less effective targeting and attribution. The Advertiser ID Consortium solution has emerged to provide one joint user-based identifier based on LiveRamp's identity link. Buyers will have one ID for web, for mobile web, in-app or CTV users. This is potentially um, an opportunity to unlock budget from main web buyers or agencies as they will find their users in-app as well. The challenge is not completely solved, I believe, but we're already one step further. So I think now we, we've seen that the previous issues are already being addressed, uh, but I believe that, that there's a new challenge around the corner, which is real-world measurement. So the question now is how to match the movement of users in real life, so in re- in-store visits or in-store purchase, with their in-app behavior and what they saw on their smart TV, for example, or on a billboard in the street. Um, so we are seeing the emergence of digital to-store solutions which bridge the gap between the online and offline world by measuring the concrete impact generated in the point of sale. So there's some new KPIs that are emerging, such as incremental visits um, for, for DSPs. Mm, and I think that's really important. And I mean, viewability and, and measurement in general is definitely something that we have a lot of different perspectives on in this industry and, and what is actually considered an actual view. Um, But another thing that I see come up frequently for brands is the issue of brand safety. Obviously, it's a significant concern for them, um, and it's important that they can have some control over this. Can you talk a little bit about brand safety here? Yeah, sure. Actually, brands, and it's normal, they want to have increased assurances, transparency, and control over the, the supply chain. 
Again, some solutions have emerged, making our industry way more transparent. For example, P-Chain has become well known with the growing popularity of the fraud-free certification from TAG. It reveals the transaction history of the traffic the advertiser is buying. It's an effective tool that tells advertisers how many intermediaries were involved in the sale, and it helps improving the supply path optimization for DSPs. The IAB, Ads.tech's effort, for instance, is also bringing an increased level of transparency in the programmatic process by providing visibility into the certified supply path for quality inventory. So DSP, agencies, brands want to have transparency over the supply chain and ensure that they're only buying inventory from authorized sellers. We can expect that publishers that have obtained Ads.tech's certification will secure a larger, uh, a larger share of brand spend. So ads.txt was just the first step in bringing transparency into, into who's selling ad inventory. In April, the IAB introduced a two-part solution in the name of transparency, sellers.json and OpenRTB supply chain object. So those two solutions will reveal all intermediaries, publishers are working with, and all sellers and resellers involved in the, in the bid request. So advertisers will be able to track the impression back to the original publisher. Yep, we um, we actually recently did a uh, webinar on OpenRTV 2.5 where we, we were talking about some of these initiatives. So um, I think that's definitely something that we're starting to explore more and more on the demand side is looking at that transparency and how to increase it. Um, along the lines of brand safety, it seems like there's some reluctance, I would say, from brands to really allocate a significant portion of their uh, advertising budget towards in-app. I mean, this is this is mostly probably due to concerns about fraud. Um, but actually, recently, Smato published a study saying that um, apps have 25% less uh, fraudulent attempts compared to mobile web, which is probably at least partly due to the fact that fraud tactics that are used on mobile web are really similar to those that are used on desktop. So. It's easy for those bad actors to transition their strategies between the two platforms um, compared to in-app, which is different. But what other reassurances do we have for the in-app environment about fraud? Yeah, that's, that's nice that you mentioned this. Actually, some, some other initiatives have been implemented to, to create a protected mobile marketplace against fraud. So the TAG initiative that I mentioned already is a cross-industry program dedicated to increasing transparency. Receiving the tax certification against fraud represents a commitment to actually eliminate fraud by following stricter guidelines. Some of the requirements for receiving the certification incl include IP blacklisting, complying with the MRC invalid traffic detection, and filtration requirements, and also implementing actually payment ID systems. But I think the when we talk about fraud and when we talk about where brands want to put their ads, we have to talk about brand safety. And it means that brands are concerned about where the ads are being placed. So they want to guarantee that the ads are shown on premium relevant channels, so meaning brand safe, fraud free and viewable inventories. Um, as displaying their ads in the wrong place may damage their image and reputation. I mean, I think it's understandable that a brand doesn't want to appear next to, for example, a violent content headline in a news app, right? So um, we often get requests for no gaming, no dating inventories because this might not be considered as brand safe. Brand, brand don't want to be associate, associated with dating app, so those apps would not get whitelisted on a premium level for their campaign. 
However, this might be a limitation in terms of users they can reach, as it could be the same person reading The Guardian in the morning on his way to work, playing Candy Crush at lunchtime, for example, and looking for a partner after work. So yeah, that's a proper limitation if you cannot reach this user because you're blacklisting um, gaming or dating apps. Mm -hmm. So I would say that there's still some work to do um, to move beyond blacklist or premium whitelist and going to an effective brand safe environment as, as it's preventing brands to scale at the moment. Okay, cool. So we've talked about um, brand safety. We've talked a little bit about fraud. We've talked about some viewability measurement and um, other initiatives that the industry is uh, uh, driving right now to address some of the concerns of brands. But just from your perspective, having worked with them for you know quite some time already, do you feel optimistic about the future of in-app for brands? Do you feel like more brands are going to start to allocate more advertising budget towards this venue? Um, yeah, so I'm, I think I'm quite optimistic because we're seeing, um, as I said before, a good amount of performance buyers that are moving into branding. And we're also seeing evolutions of branding buyers uh, moving into drive to store, which is the next level of identifying the user offline based on their in-app behavior. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of, uh, of education, a lot of um, improvement that has been done um, in the industry to make a more brand safe and just trustable environment. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I mean, I think if some of our listeners out there are interested in having more information around some of these industry initiatives that we've been talking about, like what Tag's been doing, what, uh, what what's going on with sellers.json and OpenRTP, then, you know, there are a lot of great resources out there. Um, you can also feel free to check out some of our other webinars or our podcast episodes, but um, also each of these individual groups has their own resources. So feel free to take a look at IAB's website, at the TAG website, all of these things can definitely help to assist them, right? And the Smato blog, I believe. Ah, that's right, the Smato blog as well. <laughs> Good one, very nice. Okay, well then, thank you very much for joining us today, Alize. Thanks for having me, definitely. Well, to our listeners, um, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast and we'll be back with another episode soon. Bye.